So today, uh, let me recap real quickly what we've been doing in this series. First of all, we said that, that every time that, that something captures your heart or, or invades your heart that's not supposed to be there, it creates a debt-debtor relationship. So first we talked about guilt. Guilt is I owe you. I did something and I owe you something, an apology. I owe you some type of way to, to make up for what I did. The next week we looked at anger and anger says, you owe me. You've, you've ticked me off and you owe me something and I may hold it over your head the rest of your life and my life and everybody else's life, but you owe me something. Jealousy says that God owes me because we said, God, you could have given me what you gave them, but you didn't. God, you owe me. You could have given me a better family. <laughs> Don't say that one out loud. You could have given me a better car. You could have had me born into a different country, whatever it is. Today, we're looking at greed, and greed says, I owe me because I deserve it. Now, um, people get funny when you talk about money, so just get that out there right now. You're going to get funny today. Greed, if you dig underneath, greed is fueled by fear. What if? What if we don't have enough money for this? What if we don't have, what if this happens? Janie has told me that she has 800 scenarios. What ifs, if I die or I'm crippled or I don't know, she's got all of these scenarios. What if, what if, what if, what if? How many other ladies like that? Yeah, I know. I, every time I ask that, y'all, y'all say that. Now here's the deal. When it comes to greed, do you know what people really fear? They fear either God can't or he won't take care of them. It's, that's really the deal. Now, now, to lighten the mood just a second, let's play crowd participation, and let me ask you, how many of you in the crowd are considered savers? I'm not asking you what your spouse or your friend, friends or family would say. What, what would you say? Oh, yeah, I'm a saver. Okay. A few more in this congregation than the early service. The early service, I said, America's in trouble, because I think like one person in the early service was considered a saver. How many of you then are considered spenders? America's in trouble, because you, you see the numbers. Um, uh, how many of you would say, all right, maybe, maybe everybody will get in on this one. How many of you would say, I could stand to be a more generous person? Ah, uh, yeah, you're still not all playing. I get it. All right. How many of you are greedy? Dude, I did not expect that. First service, Travis, the only one that raises his hand. This service, you got company, brother. We need to, we need to start. It's a small group. We, we just got your small group right there. Okay, I did not expect that because usually people won't say that. Usually people will use terms like, well, I'm a careful or, or I'm a good manager. And those are biblical terms. The Bible says we're supposed to be careful and good managers. The problem with greed is that it camouflages as something good. Now, uh, I don't want to burst your bubble, but it's 114 days until Christmas. Ha <laughs> ha. Sneaks up on us, doesn't it? It happens every year. We celebrate it. But it somehow sneaks up on us. So um, every year there's a, there's a movie called Scrooge, right? You, you watch this movie, whether it's, it's Bill Murray or somebody else. Is Scrooge a good guy? Is he considered a careful saver, a good manager? No, he's stingy. He's mean. He's hard-hearted. And see, since none of us is stingy, mean, hard-hearted, we don't think we have greed. Now, let me just say this right now. Believe it or not, this is not a message about your money. This is a message about your heart. Greed is not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. And I'm going to show you some things that Jesus said. He was very blunt when he talked about greed. And we're going to start in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 15. He says this, then, then he said to them, watch out. There's an exclamation point. Pay attention to punctuation, except when people are texting. That, then it doesn't count. Because y'all overuse the exclamation points and, and everything else. And you misuse, you know, there's, there's grammar police out there, and I'm kind of one of those. 
But when a scripture, when you see a punctuation mark and it's Jesus talking and it's an exclamation point, it means watch out, this is a big deal. And look what he says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. <laughs> no problem, oh Jesus, I'm not mean, I'm not hard-hearted. And when they talk about Haiti, I want to give, I just can't. My heart's fine, Jesus. Jesus says there's more than one type of greed and he's about to give an explanation of greed to people who thought that they did not have greed in their heart. Look what he says when he continues. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now, I like to look at different translations, so the New American Standard says it this way. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. So that's the literal translation. But then look what the New Living Translation says. Life is not measured by how much you own. Jesus is saying you got greed in your heart if you live by this formula. Greed believes, greed believes, greed believes. Keep going, keep going. Greed believes life equals stuff. Jesus just said your life doesn't equal how much stuff you have. But greed believes life equals stuff, and then greed believes this. More stuff equals better life. <laughs> you know it's true. And then here's what greed believes. The most stuff, we win. The best life. He who has the most stuff wins. Right? Have you seen that bumper sticker? They don't even do bumper stickers anymore. He who has the most stuff when he dies wins. But then another bumper sticker came out and says, he still dies, right? So that's kind of the idea you need to remember. See, that's the American way, stuff. We need more stuff. We have stuff marts called Walmart <laughs> and Sam's and Costco. <laughs> See, if you, let's say, I don't know why this is, but aliens, every time there's an alien movie, they're always smarter than us and more technologically advanced than us. And I don't know, somebody's smoking something when they make up these aliens. But let's just pretend that these smart, technologically advanced aliens hijack one of our satellites specifically that go over the United States of America, North America, and they're watching. I think if these aliens were to watch us for 30 days, they would come to the conclusions, if humans don't buy stuff, they'll die. Because that's all they do. They have these big buildings called Walmart, Stuff Mart, and they all congregate there and they walk in with nothing. They come out with stuff. I've seen your carts. I was at Sam's yesterday and I couldn't get around Sam's because people in Sam's had so much stuff. They were going to run me over. And I thought about the aliens and the aliens are going, man, that's like breathing for them. Or now they've got Amazon, bigger warehouses where you don't even have to go, but virtually, I want one of those, I want one of those. And literally, the stuff will fly off the shelf, literally, because there's drone delivery now. <sighs> These people are going to die if they don't exchange some money for some stuff. That's what they would believe, right? That's the American way. Now, in the, what Jesus has just said is, no matter how much you have, no matter how much you don't have, that does not equal life. And he's about to tell a story about a farmer. Now, this farmer, um, he, his crops produced much more than he expected. The harvest was much bigger than he expected, and he didn't have room to store everything. And he makes an assumption about this extra big crop that he got, and it's an assumption that reveals his greed, and it's an assumption I have made, and it's an assumption I bet everybody in this room has made, everybody watching on Facebook. By the way, I point up there because the camera's up there. Somebody asked me one time, where's the camera? It's up there. You can't see it, but, but just trust me. Everybody's made this assumption, and here's the assumption. All the extra is for me. It's for me. It's about me, right? How can I use the extra to benefit me? After all, I worked hard. 
I deserve this crop. I owe me because I work so hard. My life is all about me. It never crossed this farmer's mind that, that the crop came from God and maybe God wanted him to use the extra for something else. Didn't cross his mind. Now, I don't want you to be like the guy in Jesus' story, so I'm going to teach you a better question than how can I use this extra for me, all right? So I'm going to read it, and then you're going to say it out loud. Here we go. Here it is. Lord, what do you want me to do with the extra? Better question. Say it. All right, that wasn't bad, but we're going to do it two more times because I really want you to get this. Lord, what do you want me to do with the extra? All right, you're not very good at responsive reading. Be glad we're not in a Baptist church because this goes on for hours, responsive reading. All right, this is one sentence. I'm going to say it, and then we're going to try to say it together convincingly. Lord, what do you want me to do with the extra? Not bad, not bad. You, some of you are Reformed Baptists, I guess. Um, that wasn't bad. See, greedy people never ask this question because it's for me. Isn't it true that you can always come up with some extra that you might get or might not get? If I win the lottery, how many of you played that game? If I win the lottery, I'm going to buy da 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 And by the way, if I win the lottery, it will be an act of God because I don't play the lottery. One of those little things is going to have to fly over into my car and somebody's not going to have to dispute it. And I will go, wow, God. I, anyway, if I get a raise, I've already spent it. If I get a bonus, this is what I'm going to spend it on, right? You can always figure out what to do with the extra because I deserve it. And I have plans for the extra and it's about me. Never even think about calling on God, asking him anything. And since this guy said all the extra must be for me, look what he decides in verse 18. Then he said, the, the farmer, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus. Store my surplus is Bible talk for hoard all the extra. That's the Greek. That's Doug's interpretation of the Greek. I will store my surplus grain, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Not once did he consider that God was the source of his crop. God is also the source of his income and his life. The very number of days he has on the planet, God's the source. He didn't consider that because he didn't consider that. He got BBS, not IBS. Don't confuse that. We have all of these different syndromes. This guy got BBS, which was bigger barn syndrome. I'm going to build a bigger barn. And there's a whole industry in America for bigger barns. You fill up your garage, you fill up your attic. What do you do? You get a shed, then you get a bigger shed, and then you go to a community garage with all these little bitty sheds and put your stuff in there because who knows? One day I'm going to need that. And then that day never comes. Right? You die and leave it in there and nobody ever gets it. In Jesus' parable, this guy who gets bigger barn syndrome, he has an explanation because greedy people always have an explanation, a cause, which just means an excuse for their greed. He says, I need it for retirement. I need it so that my children don't have to take care of me. They don't have to worry about me. I need the bigger barn. He assumed that the abundance of his stuff equals the abundance of time to enjoy that stuff. But those two, th two things are not related. The, the, the time that you have left on this planet does not equal to your stuff. The day he decided to build the bigger barns, he calls up the bigger barn society and says, hey, I need a bigger barn. That day, he lost all of his stuff, or maybe more accurately, I should say, his stuff lost him. Let me show you why. See, Jesus is about to teach him that your life does not equal possessions. This guy is going to run out of time before he runs out of stuff. Look what Jesus says. But God said to him, you fool, you what? fool and there look at that punctuation exclamation point 
This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who's going to get all your stuff? Help me out. It's, who, who's going to get his stuff? Someone else, the bank, my wife. Who's going to get all your stuff when you die? Someone else. And I was reading, I'm, I'm studying the life of Solomon right now. I'm in, in 1 Kings, and I, I just came across this verse today, so we had to add it, so go ahead and put it up there. I don't even have it here. In Ecclesiastes, <laughs> Solomon, okay, so Solomon, Solomon was all about himself. He started off wise, and then he ended up badly, and so it doesn't matter how good you start if you end badly. It doesn't matter how badly you start if you end well. Solomon did not end well, and his son follows after him. Now, I've got to tell you that because his son was an idiot, Read about it. Rehoboam is his name. He's a complete fool. Solomon starts off with the wisest decision ever. His first court decision, everybody was in awe of the wisdom God gave him. The very first decision that Rehoboam, his son, makes splits the kingdom because he's such an idiot. He made a stupid decision. When I was a kid, I read the story and I go, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And then he did it. And 10 of the tribes leave. He's, they said, we don't have anything to do with you, sucker. And they go and start their own nation. And Rehoboam's left with one little tribe because God said, I'm not going to take the kingship away from David's family. You're David's family. The only reason you get to keep one tribe of the tribes of Israel is because David was faithful. All right, so with all that in mind, Solomon says, I came to hate all my hard work here on earth for I must leave to others everything I have earned. And who can tell whether my successor will be wise or foolish? Was his successor who got everything he worked for wise or foolish? I just told you. He was an idiot. Yet they will control everything I have gained by my skill and hard work under the sun. And this is kind of depressing. He's going, how meaningless is my life if my idiot son is going to waste everything that I've worked so hard to get. <laughs> this guy assumed everything was for himself, so he owed it to himself. And so he hoarded everything that he had. And in the end, all of his possessions will be distributed to someone else, not because he's generous, but because he's dead. Look what, eventually everything we own will be owned by somebody else. It's not a matter of if somebody will get my stuff. It's a matter of how and when. See, either you're going to give it away while you still have time or, or it will be taken from you when your time runs out. Those are the only two options. And then look what Jesus says in Luke, tw in Luke 20, 12, 21, verse 21. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. What does it mean to be rich towards God? Well, I'm going to tell you. Rich towards God means being generous to, toward those in need. A greedy person is someone who saves carefully but gives sparingly. And I'm just going to tell you this. This is free, free political advice for you. Every time there's an election, I look at the politicians and, and I look at how much they give to charities. And I don't, I don't look to see whether they give to churches or God or whatever, but just charitable giving. Almost all, you watch this, it's almost universal. The, the, the politicians give less than 2% of their income. Some of them make $200,000 a year just being in Washington. Some of them make a whole lot more from that, from consulting, and they give 2%. And I think you can't, I don't want you representing the money that I spend in taxes that I give to the government in taxes because you're not even faithful with your own money, you're sure not going to be faithful with mine. And let me just give you a little leadership tip for New Life Community Church. If you want to be in leadership here, you better be given to this church because I don't believe you can answer to God about the decisions we make with the, the money that God gives us if you're not giving first. You can't lead people places you've never been. So if you want to be in leadership here, you better be giving to the Lord here. And you're supposed to give where you're fed. And if you're a first-time guest or you're a member of another church, go give to your church. Don't give here. If you can't trust me, don't give here. That's not an issue that's going to bother me. Give somewhere to something outside of your kingdom.
We'll talk more about that in a second. Getting a little fired up. <laughs> this farmer was rich in this world, but poor towards God. And Jesus called him a what? A fool. And he's a fool that many of us would have admired. Look at his bigger barns. I wish I had a bigger barn. Right? So I got a question for you. Why do you have what you have? It's for me. Well, let me ask a better question. Why has God given you more than you need? Oh, well, he hasn't. Be careful with that. <laughs> See, when we don't have enough, we wonder why, and we cry out to God, God, it's your fault. We need more. We need more. I expect you, God, to supply my need. But when we have more than we need, I know very few people who say, God, what do you want me to do with the extra? Is it possible you've given me extra to bless somebody who doesn't have enough? That's the way the church is supposed to work. If the church worked that way, there would be no empty seats today. Now, you don't actually have to have extra to be greedy. You just have to spend everything you get on yourself. Because when you do that, your heart is, your heart is ripe. Your heart is right. Your, your heart is ripe for the arrow of greed. If your lifestyle is equal to or greater than your income, it's going to be almost impossible for you to keep greed out of your heart. Now, I know some of you don't have bigger barn syndrome, but some of you have BCS, better car syndrome. Because what do you do? You'll go to a car salesman and you'll spend hours with that car salesman trying to figure out how to get this payment in here and move this around here and do this and this and this because I've got to have a better car. I've tasted the goods and I've got to have a new car. Right? Well, can you afford it? Well, what's that got to do with it? I want it. I deserve it because I work hard for this better car. Yes, that same person. Can you donate some money to build a roof in Haiti? <laughs> they look at their bank account. My bank account says I don't have any money. Sorry, I can't. <laughs> it's never stopped you before, not having cash in your bank account. You'll, you don't let the fact that you don't have enough cash stop you from upgrading your lifestyle. And God looks at you and he says, oh, I get it, I get it. You'll do all kinds of financial calisthenics to upgrade your lifestyle, but you won't do anything to upgrade the lifestyle of somebody else. You know what God calls that? Come on, help me out. Greed. You're living as if upgrading your lifestyle is going to make your life better. Well, everyone does it. Yep, they do. Is it wise? Nope. That's why Jesus talked about it. Jesus says, be on your guard against this form of greed, because if you don't, this is going to happen to you. Put that question up there if you would, Travis. Do people around you ever feel that your stuff is more important than you? And I'm just true confession right here. I save so that I can buy stuff. And, 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 and I'm not thinking, I'm not thinking my stuff is more important than you. I'm just thinking, I saved for that. And you just did that to it. You mo <laughs> so um, I still drive. I've got a 2005 uh, Toyota Matrix out there. And, and years ago, this is how long it was ago, um, Herschel's was still in town. And Caleb one day was going to drive the family car to go to Herschel's and get some sweet tea because we would always do that. And so he offers, hey, can I take the Matrix? Sure. Well, he goes and, and being the, 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 the self-aware young man he was, he gets the tea. So there's, he, there's five of them, five teas, and he's got them all in here. And he goes and he puts them over. But instead of being in park, 
he's in drive and he's ready to get home. And so he starts driving. And you remember how narrow that little driveway was at Herschel's and the little cement retaining wall here? So as he's driving, he goes to put it over and one of the T's falls and he thinks, oh no, dad's going to kill me if I get T in his car. So he reaches down to do that. As he goes over on the cement retaining wall, there's a rusty scrape on the side of my 2005 matrix out there due to my son. Now, he told me this the other day. We were talking the other day. He goes, hey, Dad, remember? And I said, do I remember? <laughs> and he had told me this before, but he said, he said, Dad, I was walking around in the driveway going, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. I got to tell that. I got to tell that. I got to tell that. So he comes in. I think he told Mom first. <laughs> and he comes in, and, and it was by the grace of God that I, that I didn't go. You more, you know, I didn't. I didn't. I said, I said, show me, and I went out and looked at it. And I said, you're more important to me than a car. Now, that is a God thing. That is not a Doug thing. We paid cash for that car <laughs> that we'd saved up for a long time. And See, the mindset is somebody's going to think that their stuff, or, or look at this one. This is the second question. Have you ever hurt someone's feelings while protecting your stuff? If the answer is yes to either one of those, then, then like me, you're struggling with greed. Now, greed is not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. When you chase stuff, you rob God and you rob your family. See, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Remember the first one, the greatest commandment? He said, love God. Second commandment, Jesus just threw it in. They wouldn't ask, what's the second greatest commandment? The second greatest commandment is love your neighbor. Where in Jesus' love scale of the most important things in life is your stuff? Show me where it is. Is it in between one and two? Are you reading between the lines? No, it's not even up there. Your stuff does not equal your life is what Jesus is saying. And isn't it amazing the difference in attitude we have between spending and giving? Because to acquire, we'll spend money we don't have on things we don't need to impress people we don't even like. But then we say, hey, can you give to this cause? I don't have any money. I can't do that. We don't make spending decisions like that. Why do we make giving decisions like that? It's because we have greed in our hearts, is what the scripture says. For example, how come you can't give $100 to build a, a roof in Haiti, but you got $1,000 on your credit card? Let's, let's be honest. Some of you would be doing backflips today if you only had $1,000 on your credit card. I decided to see. I just decided to look it up. So I went to nerdwallet.com. It's the first one that popped up on my Google this morning. I thought, how much, how much debt do Americans have? Average American, how much debt? $15,482 the average American has in credit card debt. Well, Doug, you're being so harsh today because I feel for hurting people and I want to give and my heart is fine because I have the want to, I have the feelings. I just don't have the cash. I can't give what I don't have. So then why do you turn around and make purchases with money you don't have to upgrade what you drive or what you sit on? I didn't mean your literal butt. <laughs> that just hit me. It's because we're greedy. It's one of the kinds of greed. And Jesus says he wants, to, he wants us to deal with this greed because it's a, it's a filter through which we make all of our financial decisions, all of our relational decisions, and most important to God, all of our kingdom of God decisions come through this filter. 
Jesus is about to show you how to be generous, but I got to tell you this. It's, it's like exercise. Is, is exercise always fun? Is it always convenient? No. Can you get in shape simply by wishing? I feel like I should be in shape. Is that how it works? So before we went to Belize, um, I, was, I was at the YMCA three to five times a week working out because we thought we were going to Haiti and there's this thing we called Heartbreak Hill and when you walk down the hill, it's easy because gravity's your friend. Gravity's not your friend going up. And, and it's, it, it sucks. So I was working out hard thinking we we're going and I was going to have to deal with that. And I was reminded of this yesterday because, by the way, we, Janie and I are um, empty nesters officially. There were, there were tears of both joy and sadness yesterday. Um, but we, we moved Hannah into uh, ingredients, um, into her apartment for this ingredients dance studio. And it's on the third floor. I was sucking wind. Because I'm one of those, I carry as many things as I can. And there were a couple of times people who lived in, they're going, oh, sorry. And so I was cramming everything over to the rail, going by, and I'm puffing. And at one point, I was sweating so badly, it was dripping off my shirt and hands like, Dad, you got to go buy a shirt because that's gross. <laughs> I'm sitting in the floor, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Wishing I was in shape did not get me in shape. And, and I've told you, I've told you this. Okay, so before Belize, three to five times a week. Since Belize, life happened, and I've been to the YMCA one time a week for five weeks. Now, I've told you I don't have a beer belly. I have a blue belly because I love bluebell. So I've been eating bluebell five to six times a week, going to the Y one time a week. What does that do for my blue belly? You can see the results right there. <laughs> I mean, thinking about getting in shape did not cause my waist to go down. I, all of my drawers are telling me that. So this last week, I said, I'm done with this. I've got to get back in the wine. I changed my calendar. I made some choices so that I could be there three to five times a week every week because I have to be there if I'm going to eat Bluebell <laughs> or even if I'm not. See, you don't, you don't get a generous heart by wishing for it. Oh, I feel like I should give. That's not how you get a generous heart. What you do, if, if you want to be free from greed, you make some choices, some tough financial choices that allow God to remove greed from your heart. Jesus is going to tell us how. Look, look at this. If you want to be generous, all of you said, or most of you said you need to be more generous. Matthew chapter 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. He's not saying don't be responsible. In Proverbs it says, store up for winter like the ant. That's a great plan, but he's saying... He's saying to people who are always swapping out the, the not so old for the bright, shiny new, he's saying, don't do that. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and, and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He's saying, stop hoarding. I'm not hoarding. Jesus says, you got more stuff in your house than you need. How much stuff is in your attic that you've forgotten you had? How much stuff is in your shed or in the community shed down the road? How many of you have clothes that you forgot you had? I did this the other day. I was going through and I went, I didn't know I had that shirt. Right? We're hoarders. Do you ever get bored with what you have and think, oh, if I just had something, I don't know what. Let's, let's go to Amazon. That'll make me feel better. And then two days shipping isn't fast enough, right? Instead of being consumed with stuff, Jesus says, do something different. Here's what he says. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. See, if you have treasure in heaven, no one or no thing can destroy it. If all of your treasures are here on earth, 
someone or something can and will destroy it. And in, and in case you don't know what store up, for, store up in heaven means, it means give things away. <laughs> same, same ideas in Luke 12, 33a, that's the first part of the verse. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. There he's just very, very blunt. Some of you need to sell some stuff and give it to the poor. Instead of always thinking about what's next for you, spend some time thinking about how you can move some of your stuff to someone else's kingdom. God wants us to be creative in moving stuff from our kingdom to another kingdom. So stop spending all of your time thinking about you and think about how you can meet someone else's needs because when you do, you become rich towards God. Now, when all you do is think about you, you become a hoarder. When you think about others, you become a worshiper. And look, Jesus tells us why. Here it is. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is huge. Get your treasure out of your world. And when you do, your heart's going to follow. If you want to know where your heart resides, Jesus is telling us, follow the money. Now, a few years, uh, two years ago, in fact, I, uh, I started paying attention to Stephen F. Austin University because my daughter and my money go to Stephen F. Austin University. And it's a state school, but it's not, it's not cheap. So, so my, my money started going, my daughter started going, and my heart followed to SFA. So I pay attention. I go to at least two football games every year. One, we go to parents' weekend, and then she always wants to have a daddy-daughter date to a game, and so I go down for that, and we go to one basketball game and one baseball game, and this is her senior year. And I pay attention to SFA because my money and my daughter go there. Yesterday, we took Hannah to uh, Ingredients, and we moved her into her apartment, which is nicer than anything I ever lived in when I was in college. Um, and, and we heard about this. I can't tell you right now. I don't have time. But we heard all of the things that Hannah's going to have to do, memorizing scripture, reading through the Bible in nine months, curfews, 1030, no boys ever. Praise God. Um, I mean, all of this stuff. And so I didn't even know the name Ingredients Dance Company before about nine months ago. But I, I intend to go watch her dance. I intend to go to a dance revolution, which is their conferences that they put on all around the United States. One's in Dallas. I want to go watch her because I know she's where God called her to be. And so all of a sudden, ingredients, my money and my daughter go to ingredients. My heart is there. Before 2010, I never gave Haiti a second thought. But when the earthquake happened and I saw the devastation, I felt called of God to go... I've been 10 times now, and thousands of these Benjamins, my personal Benjamins, have gone to send me and my family to Haiti. I read about Haiti. I pray. I've got friends in Haiti. I Facebook message those people. We pray. We talk. If, if Armando needs something, he'll message me and say, hey, can you bring stuff from the States? Because it's incredibly expensive to, to, to mail stuff from the States or send stuff um, to, from the state. So I'll, I'll get an extra suitcase sometimes and just take stuff to Almondo that he needs for the babies or whatever he needs because my money and my time went to Haiti and I, my heart is now in Haiti. Last, before this past summer, I'd been to Belize on a cruise, right? But now part of my heart's there. And we're going to go to both places next year. We're going to go to, to Belize in uh, July 13th through 20th. And then we're going to fly from Belize to, to Fort Lauderdale, spend the night at a hotel. Whoever's coming from, from Dallas will meet us in Fort Lauderdale. And we're going to fly to Haiti the next day, July 20th through 26th next year. We're going back to back because I just can't, I can't just make money for me because God's called me to go to these places and my heart is there. A piece of my heart is there and so I can't deny it anymore. You better believe my heart is here. 
we have given thousands, I don't even know, thousands and thousands of our dollars to this church. And my heart is here. Because if you want to know where your money is, uh, where your heart is, follow the money. So, so your money is an indicator of where your heart lives. But your money can also be a tool to change your heart's address. And, and God is so much more interested in this than he is in this. God says, by the way, I can take these away from you anytime I want to. But I'm allowing you to have a few of these so that you and I and everyone around you will know exactly the address of your heart. If you want to defeat greed, the way to do it is generosity. And by generosity, I mean this. I mean you give to the point that it forces you to change your lifestyle. <laughs> See, greed is not a feeling. It's, it's a failure to act, a refusal to act. To defeat greed, you consistently need to send some of these outside of your kingdom to someone else's kingdom that you don't control. There was a guy years ago, oh my goodness, I, I can't even get into this. But, but he, would, he, would not, he would not tithe to the church that he was a member of. But if he saw something he liked, he would buy something nice for the person. So one time he bought a fishing pole for a staff member because the staff member did something nice to him. He said, that's my tithe. And I went, oh dear God, that's not your tithe, Homer. I moved away from the dude because I was kind of scared because he was controlling it. If you want greed to be out of your heart, you have to give some of these to a, to a kingdom you do not control that's not about you. And, and the best way I know how to do it, we call it percentage priority giving. You give a percentage. We give, we actually, we give a little more than 10%. But I give, when, I'm, when I get paid and I go to the, to the bank and I put something in the ATM, I sit right there and I pull out my little push pay app and I give the first 10%. Priority means first. I do not want to spend God's money. So I sit right there in the parking lot and I do push pay. And, and I give my 10% to God. And then we have three compassion kids. That's over and above. We do not take that out of our tithe. When we go to Haiti, we don't take, we don't spend money on Haiti that comes out of our 10% that goes to the church because we believe percentage, 10% is what the Bible teaches. Priority is it's first, it's God's. The first fruits are God's. And so I'm not going to spend God's money. And then 10% is savings. I, I reduce every, if I ever get a, if I ever get a raise, I reduce the salary so that more money goes into my retirement. So we've got about 10% that's going into retirement in other places. And then we live off of 80. If you can upgrade your car off of 80% of your income, woohoo, you are winning the game. Janie turns 50 this year. She looked good for 50. She looked good for any age. I saved for two years to be able to afford to, to take her on a cruise to celebrate her 50th. I, I stuffed, I, literally, I stuffed an envelope full of these so that when, when it was time, I could pay the cash to show her how much I love her, right? If you, can, if you can do those things out of the 80%, who cares what anybody else thinks? But we don't do that because we're greedy. Um, so use the 10, 10, 80 plan. So here it is. Before I upgrade my blank, I'm gonna take some of my money and I'm gonna transfer it to a kingdom that's not my own so that God can get greed out of my heart. And here it is, when I lower my lifestyle so that someone else's lifestyle can be raised, I'm storing up treasures in heaven. I'm becoming rich towards God. 
<clears throat> See, when, when you decide to confront greed, what you're going to say is, Satan, you're not going to control these. You're not going to control this. And watch this, Satan. I'm going to take some of these, put it over here so that you can't get in my heart. And he goes, no, no, I'm melting. Yeah, you know it's coming, Wizard of Oz. You cursed brat! Look what you've done! I'm melting! Melting! Oh, what a world! What a world! Who would have thought a girl like you could destroy my beautiful wickedness? Oh, oh. Who would have thought a girl like you could destroy my beautiful wickedness? Oh, 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 greed! Greed says, no, don't give to someone else! You're destroying my beautiful wickedness! And when you do, your heart becomes free. Greed is not about what you have. Greed is all about what has your heart. Did you bow your heads? How's your heart today? Do you have BBS, BCS, BSS? I don't know. Do you have some syndrome because you need something new to make you feel better about you? Are you afraid that God can't or won't provide for you? Because that's what greed says. Do you automatically assume anything that comes in extra for you is for you? And would you be willing to start today asking God, Lord, what do you want to do with my extra? And I'm praying that some of you will make that decision so that your heart can be free from greed. Father, we pray that that we would not be hearers of the word, we would be doers of the word so that your kingdom can be expanded, so that people can hear about the generosity of people who say they follow you, who claim your Lord. And when we are generous to people in need, we know we're not only rich towards you, you use that to bring people into your kingdom. So change the world, change destinies through our generosity. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.